listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. So to me, the story of yesterday's game, I think there's a story for each team. Let's start with Milwaukee. It's Middleton, a player who, quite frankly, in the playoffs historically, has not been amazing, and especially on the road. There's been such a home road split, and to go on the road, Middleton to shoot 58%, to shoot 50% from three, 38 points, his plus minus, plus 16. So when he's on the court, his team outscored the opponent, Milwaukee over Atlanta, by 16. Middleton, to me, was the story. And the question is, how repeatable is it? Uh, Did something happen, a flip of the switch, that now Middleton gets it on the road? Or do we look at the history and say, hey, great game, puts him in the driver's seat, but don't expect it to repeat? I'm kind of tending towards don't expect it to repeat. But still, when you're one additional series away, meaning they win this series and they won one more to win the title, repeatable doesn't matter anymore, right? As you get closer to the finals, it's more about how many wins they've got than can they repeat it. I still think it's far enough away, six wins to go from Milwaukee to win the title, that you say hat tip to Middleton, I'm not sure it's repeatable. What do you think? Yeah, I'm with you on that. I just think this is going to be a flawed NBA playoffs and Milwaukee's a flawed team and we've talked about it, how they've they've been in contention and they've been on the doorstep of of seemingly this is going to be their year and then they they show up and they play a Brooklyn team and if not for the injuries that were happening in that series and if James Harden and or Kyrie Irving were healthy, I don't know that we're seeing Milwaukee at this point. I I think Brooklyn wins that series so I don't know that this is you've got to depend on Chris Middleton and all of a sudden we change what we've seen in the past from him I think we're going to continue to see sort of a roller coaster with Milwaukee Um, in late game situations I think it's still very possible he was great yesterday in the fourth quarter but based on everything we've seen over the past couple of years I don't think that you trust him but that doesn't mean that it's still not enough in a flawed NBA playoffs this year for them to be able to get to the NBA finals and win it so when you say flawed you mean that no team is perfect and thus uh, even an imperfect team like Milwaukee has a good chance where in some years the level of play is so high yeah. the imperfections of Milwaukee would be uh, fatal at certain points it almost feels like whoever's less imperfect if, that, if yes. that's even a term that you can use is going to be the winner of this year's uh, NBA Finals I've always been good at being less imperfect I've never <laughs> been good at being perfect now <laughs> at 20 after the hour here today We're actually going to look at these playoffs. We did some original research, Jonas, and what did we do? We said, okay, let's look at where a team was ranked by Vegas entering the playoffs. So 1-16 to is in favor to win the title. Now, with the final four teams, where were their rankings? And we're going to compare these final four teams to the rankings entering the playoffs of every team since uh, MJ retired the first time post-Bulls. And this year is special. I'll just say like that. 20 after the hour, we'll get into it. Now, along the lines of more of the same, Giannis, another strong game. I mean, he's uh, over 50% from the field. Only took two threes and made one of them. And, you know, fill up the stat sheet otherwise. He had 11 rebounds in total and 33 points. So if it weren't for... A lot of debate about too many threes early in the playoffs. 
I mean, Giannis has had a monster playoffs. If we just would be ranking players on playoff performance, I don't think it's possible that Giannis isn't top three or four. Where, where would you have him? Yeah, no, I think he's been awesome. I, I mean, if you just looked at the point totals, if you just looked at the box scores of these games, uh, you would go, man, this guy seems like he's in the 30-plus range every single game. But that doesn't tell the whole story because it's the late-game situations. It's the stuff at the foul line. Uh, it's the series and critical moments against Brooklyn in which I think tell uh, the bigger story, not just what the statistics say. Okay, so field or free throws, I agree with you. And even yesterday, 6 of 13. Now, I'm, I'm just doing this quick in my head. That's below 50%. 6 of 13, not good. So your point is, hey, there was a couple of close games against Brooklyn where Giannis seemed to be seizing up again, where uh, the pressure seemed to hurt him. You're saying the free throws are still a problem. So, yeah, maybe they'll get past those problems, but if against more likely Phoenix, they have a couple of close games late, you're not anxious to be back in Giannis. No, I just, it's the same thing with Middleton. I mean, how many times do we have to see these guys, you know, go from really great performance, uh, fantastic job, you know, survive a game seven and then come out game one and fall apart against the Hawks in this series? Like, yeah. I just, but, I, don't, but, I don't know. But the question isn't, I mean, the Lakers have done that too a bunch. The question is, what will they do in game six and seven? And I think our point that we agree on is against Brooklyn, though they won game seven, uh, or the Game 7, they it was more that Brooklyn lost it. That, that, that if anything, Milwaukee had a chance to make it not a close game, but the pressure, the feel, free throws made it where it was an inch or two on a last shot from KD in regulation, and they could have lost. And you're saying if they keep playing with fire, you don't like them. If it's Game 7... Chris Paul on one side, Giannis on the other, four minutes left, tie game, and it's in Phoenix, because it would be if it is Phoenix in the finals, you're saying you want Phoenix in that spot. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I tend definitely. to agree with you. I, yeah. Now, the question I've got, though, and maybe, McKenzie, during the break, you can look at some of the one-number stats like PER. and maybe just one of them is fine. PR is fine. Is Giannis's PR for... The two prior playoffs, both of them great Milwaukee regular seasons, disappointing playoffs, and now his PER in the playoffs for this one. So we'll compare the three years. I'm thinking he's playing better. Now, does that preclude that the things that limited him in Milwaukee in the past and seem to still limit them, late game stuff, free throw stuff, that won't be the case just because he's playing better in other spots? No, I don't. I, I think you're right. It's still an issue. But I do think it's interesting that maybe it's not being reported and talked about as much that Giannis is playing better, even though that doesn't address totally the late-game questions. And let me ask you something about the late game. Other than free-throw shooting, and other than the sense of, and maybe you can refine this, that Giannis is going to have trouble initiating the offense. He's the type of guy that gets his points in flow. He gets his points in transition. But when it becomes a half-court game, late in the playoff games, he is not near the player. Is that what we're talking about or something else? Yeah, I just, I don't look at him as the ultimate closer. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know that you look at him like a Durant, um, you know, for you look sure at him not. as one of those guys that's just going to close the game out. I mean, if not for Middleton, 
who knows what happens in that game last night because Milwaukee was trailing heading into the fourth and, and Middleton and that was after the Trey Young injury so Atlanta couldn't get anything going they couldn't get their shots to fall and and Chris Middleton had a monster fourth quarter in which he himself outscored Atlanta 20-17 to 17. so it's not like it was because of you know Giannis that they took over a big game on the road that was Chris Middleton again who had to step up in that moment and so I just I still think there's some question marks about, about Giannis late. Yeah because it's not so much Giannis has to always step up. It's that someone is, has to step up, and it's hard to count on Middleton based on history. And that's why MJ usually didn't account for or didn't count on uh, pick your player other than Pippen to step up when the pressure – he didn't say, we lost that game because Kerr wasn't hitting his shots. No, it was Michael's – and to me, he's the ultimate winner, at least in the modern era of basketball. I wasn't around for Bill Russell. But MJ would ha- have the other players help, especially later in his career, when it was appropriate. But it was his responsibility. And what you're saying is, if it's Giannis's responsibility, he we haven't seen from him yet that he can live up to that. And we can't expect Middleton to do it. And what we can expect for sure is Holiday, because whatever you want to say about his defense, and, which is strong, and he had the the one scoring game that was strong, two for eleven. Uh, I mean, just he he's had a bad offensive playoffs, and that's it. There's I mean, there's no one else you can count on. Uh, you know, Middleton, Holiday, Giannis is the big three. Right out of Vegas. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. So, Mackenzie, what, let's look at two things to wrap up this conversation. One is what the current number is on the series. We can look at the next game number. And specifically with the next game number, let's guess how much of this assumes that Young plays and and assumes he doesn't play. What's the split? First off, what is the series price? The Milwaukee Bucks are minus 1,500 favorites. The Hawks are plus 950 on the take back. Now, think about this. It's two to one. It's held serve. I mean, it's home team one-two game. You know, uh, it's exactly right. Milwaukee was supposed to have won two games. They've won two games. And and, And what was the price coming into the series? Minus 450 for the Bucks on the opening. So think about this. This is fascinating. We see this all the time that it's 2-2 going into game five. And home team, obviously, is home for game five, and uh, except the finals in years past. And so what is the case then? What we think is the price is usually what it was before the series, but it's a little bit better for the home team by a smidge. And the rationale is there's only three games left and you got two home games, which is better than four out of seven. So usually if it's like minus 200 entering the series, home team, if it's 2-2 going into game five, it might be minus 240, 230. I mean, Mackenzie, would you agree that's generally the case? Yeah, going into game five for sure. So explain to me, anybody, how we can say that Milwaukee's odds – now. One part is going to be Trey Young's uncertainty with his health, but it's not that uncertain. The idea that they've gone from, you know, almost tripled their lay price. Give those prices one more time. Milwaukee Bucks minus 1,500. Okay, 1,500 now, and and they were entering the series. Minus 450. So it's more than triple. 
Jonas, is there, this is the market saying that that Milwaukee's got them figured out, and there ain't no move that Atlanta can make. I, yeah, it or and it just feels like maybe they're still not believers in the Atlanta Hawks. But why would they be any less believers? I mean, what I'm saying is Atlanta has held serve effectively. So why would they be held in any less regard than they were three games ago, which would have been entering the series? And I also think Atlanta's probably over, has probably exceeded the expectations because they did win that first game. I think a lot of people expected a Milwaukee bounce back, but as we talked about, they were they were leading going into the fourth quarter of that game last night. That's what I'm saying. This is the market saying we just don't think. And again, we told you the market was saying Kawhi wasn't going to play. You hear a lot of people saying maybe he'll come back, maybe he'll come back. Well, the market says he won't and it looks like now people are kind of giving up on that we'll see here this is the market either telling now have we had a line adjustment from the first grab we did after the game is this a move that might be some inside info slipping out about young more hurt let's look at the game so game four the line is currently bucks minus seven okay now what i've heard is if young was out it'd be minus eight all right, so the line in game three, which would be analogous, right? It's in Atlanta. The line in that game was? Bucks minus four and a half. Okay. So what we're saying is, Jonas, that at minus seven, there's going to be two and a half points of adjustment, though the zigzag would say the adjustment should be in favor of Atlanta. So I would have thought this line would be four, and it's seven. Some of that is the Trey Young uncertainty. Yeah, that's interesting. What do you think, Mackenzie, the line closes at if Young is certain to play? Though he could be hobbled, I'm thinking it moves to maybe five, five and a half. What do you think? I was thinking six, yeah. Okay, so good. If you look at the opener, it was at six, and I thought the MRI report, the bone bruise, was a lot worse than people thought, and that's why I went from six to seven. Okay, so to me, I think... The line in Game 4 is going to be a leading indicator of Trey Young's health, and it, it really speaks to the fact that it could be as low as 4 if he was healthy, at least based on history and zigzag. The fact it's 7 now shows that they believe the injury is meaningful, and the fact it's almost what it would be without him is pretty much saying Trey Young's only worth a point being on court because there's a chance he won't be on court, and if he is, he's going to be hobbled. And I don't know if it explains the entire series price of being so expensive for Milwaukee with over a 90% chance to make it the finals, even though they're only up 2-1, but a lot of pessimism for Atlanta on a lot of different fronts. Closing thoughts on this game, John. Do you, do you think it's more likely the line goes up or goes down? I think it's all about his health. Yeah, And my gut feeling is he's going to play, and people tend to overreact to that. They don't realize that a hobbled version of a player is sometimes not better than the replacement. So if I had to bet, I bet it goes down. But I think the value may be on Milwaukee at that point if Trey Young is hobbled. Because remember, when you're that short, it's like a guy like that usually doesn't play well as he gets older because once he slows down even a smidge, he can't do the physical things. And we saw Iverson's career went down fast once he lost his, you know, his physical edge. If the ankle causes him to be just a little slower, I think it affects a player that's small in stature more than another player. So I actually would not be looking to play Atlanta no matter what. I think the market will move according to the news, but I think they'll probably overvalue Trey Young regardless because I think him hobbled 
is limited more than a typical player. Straight out of Vegas! Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? Along with my fellow Pro Bowler, TJ Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it, Up On Game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up On Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Game five of the Western Conference Finals comes up later on tonight, 9 Eastern time in Phoenix, where the Clippers are on the road trying to stave off elimination. And L.A. finds themselves six-point underdogs to the Phoenix Suns, just one game away, one win away, rather, from advancing to the NBA Finals. So the casual fans that just are looking at the scores saw an eye-popper in this most recent game with the Clippers it was a score that looked like it was back in the Heat and the Knicks in the 90s, those kind of wrestling matches. Yeah. And the idea in this day and age, an 84-80 final, man, oh, man, it got some notice. And it's interesting to see the way the betting market has moved when it comes to the over-under total. Because if you look at game number one between these teams, and it's the combined points expected, it was one, uh, it was 221 and a half was expected in game one. So really what we're saying is both teams, like 121 to 100 would have gotten you know right near there or do the different ways you can go about it. 111, 110. Now the score, 164 points. <laughs> wow. But the markets move big. So the, the totals have been up till today, the first four games, 221 and a half, 222 and a half, 221, 218 and a half, to 11 and a half, seven points down. At a 217, I like the under. We don't have a 217. But typically, what happens in a playoff series is the, the more games that are played, the more the defenses get a feel for the offenses. Totals go down, pressure goes up, totals go down. Also, the further along in the playoffs we get from round one to two to three, there's more defense. So in general, the total should go down, but not this much. But here's another, and that's why I'm not betting it, because the market's adjusted enough. But here's my best bet, is if you notice, Chris Paul, since he's come back from COVID, has been much better in the first half. In fact, if you look at Phoenix, when Chris Paul has been on the floor in the first half, the last two games, since he's returned, Phoenix has outscored their opponents with Paul on the floor by 19 points, outscored the Clippers. In the second half, with Paul on the floor, they've been outscored by 31 points. So plus 19, minus 31. That is a drastic difference. So what are we going to do? I'm going to look at the Clippers in the second half. Now, you can bet this by itself in some spots. I think DraftKings has it. And the bet would be Clippers plus three. If you don't have the chance to play the second half by itself, you could wait till halftime and play it. Or you could do this. is You could bet Phoenix for the game. and uh, I'm sorry, check that. You would bet Clippers for the game and Phoenix for the first half for the same amount. And it's kind of a hedge. 
So however you get at it, I do, and what we're going to keep the record on is the cleanest one, Clippers plus three in the second half, Chris Paul being the main driver of that. Plus, I think there's one more factor, Jonas, I'd like to get your thought on this, is if the Suns are up 14 or something in the third, the pressure is going to be, oh, my God, can you believe this? And I think that getting those last couple quarters in with the lead might be high pressure. I think that's – and the Clippers don't give up. So I kind of like that too. What do you think? Yeah, and I also think would find it hard to believe that the Clippers would shoot as poorly as they did from three, uh, especially in that last game. I mean, we can sit, we can you know praise Phoenix for winning that game. Man, the Clippers had every opportunity to win that game or take a lead, and they couldn't do it. They just couldn't buy a basket. And we've made you've made the point before. It's a make or miss league. I just find it hard to believe they're not going to find a way to to get those baskets tonight, uh, just with the way they've shot all through throughout the course of the regular season. Season. I mean, if you, if you actually look at it, Booker was only eight of twenty-two in this last game, so and and Paul was six of twenty-two. So the idea that that oh they can't they can't keep shooting poorly when it comes to Phoenix, uh, it's just not true. And if you look at the threes, it's almost shocking, right? Cameron Payne or, or Crowder was one out of six, Paul was zero for three, yeah. Booker was zero for five. So when the guy takes the most from three in this game and your two stars are uh, four, one of 14 and you still win, <laughs> I mean, in a way that's good, in a way that's bad. But what I could say for sure is I think the Clippers are not going to give up. Thus, even if they get behind, I think the pressure Phoenix would have they fight back. So we will go with Clippers as a full best bet plus three in the second half. Right out of Vegas! Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.